Alright, so today we have Zilia, um, who is tuning in from Singapore today. Uh, and she's running a very interesting business. That's your second startup, I believe. And we're going to talk a little bit about what, what you've been doing. Um, your current business, you started in 2020 and you have over 10,000 teams already using it, which I think is pretty impressive. So I'm really curious to just dive deep into how, how you accomplished that, what are your growth strategies, how you worked on that. Um, one thing that also brought my attention to, to your business was uh, the, your one of your advisors, Nir Ayal, who's, uh, well, we can talk more about him later throughout the podcast, but he's a pretty fascinating person, pretty well-known uh, well person in tech. So really excited to get to know you better. We, we haven't really met before, so this is going to be us also just getting to know each other, I suppose. And thanks a lot for, for coming to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me, Matic. Excited to get started. Absolutely. Um, cool. So to start, can you just tell me a little bit about your, you know, what's your story? What's your background? You've you, you had a, a business in the travel industry before and now you're doing something quite different. Can you tell us a little bit of a quick snapshot of, of your story? For sure. So, I mean, given that you and most of your audience are in Europe, it's pretty typical. I was from Rocket Internet. So uh -huh. Berlin based, uh, the, there we go. Um, so I was at Rocket Internet, um, eventually, you know, leading a venture as um, a head of marketing. Uh -huh. And that was where I met my co-founder, Felix. He was head of operations. We were colleagues. And you know, when you go for drinks and you say, hey, I have an idea for business. Or, oh my God, we should do an app. And one of them just happened, right? We actually did it and never stopped doing it. And people started uh, wanting to buy it. So that was anywhere. Um, A-N-Y-W-H-R, because we hit vowels. And we basically did travel planning, surprise trips. So you do not know where you're going until at the airport. Uh -huh. And we only send you to less traveled places around the world. So no Paris, no Bali, uh -huh. um, only interesting little French villages, you know, safari in Sri Lanka and things like that. Um, that went extremely well, a couple thousand travelers around the world. Um, you know, US, Europe, all over Southeast Asia. We were working with the University of Oxford on, you know, behavioral psychology, how to plan better trips according to customer profiles. Um, we had deals with airlines and then COVID. So yeah. then travel became the most lucrative business in the world. And that was when we said, hey, why not let's take this opportunity since this virus will be over in three months <laughs> um, to ramp up on our operations. So we hired global talent since we are all working from home, um, you know, in the US and UK in India in Vietnam and Singapore to just work on operations and ramp up tech and partnerships. And that was when we realized that everyone was motivated and engaged yet disconnected. Uh -huh. So you can't do, you know, virtual games, coffee, you know, your parents dying of COVID. I can't say, hey, bro, join for a Friday night virtual drinks. Yeah, um, It's very intrusive and fake. Uh, so as much as we want to, it was disconnected. And that's when we realized we shouldn't force people to come together, although we are different. And the only thing we have in common is the work, wanting to do well, wanting to contribute to the company and learn from each other because we are all so different. So we started a little like kudos channel on Slack that's quite common where you can send recognition to each other to thank them for small things. Yeah. 
So it's amazing because my intern in Singapore can thank my engineer in the US. You can get full visibility on a little things, collaboration and engagement group. Um, that was fantastic. And, um, but after a while, we realized that things died down a little bit because there's only so many times you can thank someone for nothing, right? The yeah. thanks becomes cheap. Yeah. Like, I feel bad thanking people because like it's just the thanks and they react to a heart emoji and that's <laughs> it. Um, and then there's COVID. So we gamified it a little to give points. So every month you have a fixed number of points to give with your thanks. And if you finish that, you cannot give anything else. So you uh, have to wait. So there's uh, some uh. sort of like scarcity that the points is worth something. So it's not just a thank you, but a thank you for coffee, a thank you for uh, chocolate, right? That means a lot more than just a thank you. So that when super um, engagement was 100%, everyone used it without me, the boss forcing them. And I used it even though I hate like downloading new stuff because it was in Slack. Um, mm -hmm. Then more startups, tech enterprises say, hey, we have this problem on a global scale. Um, so today it becomes Praise Tell. It's a product we've been running for you know, two years since the original three months of the pandemic. We have um, high growth startups around the world um, on the platform, as well as global tech companies um, like TikTok, um, Alibaba Group of Lazada, and a couple wow. others. And here we are. Some pretty big, pretty big names there. Um, one thing that's really interesting is you essentially solved your own problem, right? And that's a pattern that I keep seeing exactly. over and over and over again on this podcast. I often talk about so how you know where's your idea coming from? How how, how did the whole business start? And very often it starts with solving the founder's own problem. And, you know, it turns out that when they do that, there's a lot of other people who have that same problem. And um, I suppose you can really relate to, to them, right? Because you, you're experiencing that and you're, you're passionate about really solving it. So that's pretty interesting. Exactly. So, yeah, we built this to scratch our own itch because with the points, the team members worldwide could redeem gift cards from me. So like, hey, I want a Sephora US voucher. No problem. I just send it to you via email. Uh -huh. Previously, I tried sending gifts. Like, hey, a notebook costs $5, but the shipping costs $60. And I don't know what they like. Um, we tried doing like bubble tea, coffee, but it's a bit hard when you're all worldwide. Um, so now we just use points and you convert them into gift cards. Uh -huh. And that's how or that's why, you know, um, global tech companies find a strong use case because it's a pain to buy a gift card or a gift from someone worldwide. So that's it. Yeah. You just use points and we do all the work. Nice. So every employee gets a limited number of points that they can give away yes. to other to their colleagues. And then everyone can get those points and then they can exchange them for gift cards, which is also cool because it I think it also kind of motivates you more to actually give um, uh, give those exactly. points to others because you feel like, you know, you're not just saying, oh, good job. The person actually benefits out of it in, in some more... Um, um, more tangible way as well, right? Yeah. So it's not just money or competitive. It's just a little token to know, hey, I'm being appreciated. Someone cares to give me like a couple points um, with their thanks. And with the system being that the points expire every month, we built a habit of recognition mm -hmm. because it's mm -hmm. not a new thing, right? You want to thank me, I want to thank you, but we always forget we are busy. There's no points. Um, so we just make it a habit um, and that's it. Nice. Okay, so I want to get back to that in a second. But 
before we get there, I want to go a few steps back. So you mentioned Rocket Internet, um, which is, I think, really interesting. It's a company that, well, I, I obviously I know about it. I think it's in the startup scene. I think it's quite well known in Europe. Uh, while at the same time, it's a little bit in the background. I think a lot of people know some of their brands because some of their brands are really, yeah. really big in Europe, in Asia, in Africa, I think Middle East as well. Um, but not everyone knows about Rocket Internet, the parent company, right? It's, it's like probably one of the biggest, how would you call them, like a startup, startup builder businesses, right? They just launch new startups very often looking at yeah. what works in some other market. And then they try to replicate a similar business model under a different brand in yeah. a different market. So I'm just curious, how was that experience? Because I, I always felt like you can you can probably learn a lot working in a company like that because they've, in a way, I feel like they they figure out what's the blueprint for launching businesses really really fast. Yeah, um, you're completely right. So that was an, a great experience. They call it startup university. So uh -huh. for example, out of my founding team of ten. Um, more than half of us now start our own companies around wow. Europe, uh, around Southeast Asia. So pretty cool. Um, a couple of my friends as well, they're you know are doing their own things in the UK, in Switzerland, in Southeast Asia. So yeah, that was awesome learning experience, especially when you get investors' money to learn. Uh, yep. So that was quite cool. And you know what to do, what not to do, um, how things work, what is the company I want to build, what are the values what are the things that are a big no to me and my co-founder mm -hmm. and um, the impact that we want to make and the growth we want to achieve. Mm -hmm. So that was definitely a great experience. Nice. Uh, would you say, does it build, I'm just curious, does it also build a kind of a network? Is there like a rocket internet alumni group where you kind of, you know, you still have a network yep. of probably of very strong, very driven For individuals? Sure. Yeah. For sure. Uh, we now just hire from each other's companies <laughs> around the world, actually. So yeah, pretty cool. Nice. Okay. I, I can imagine that that's, that's very valuable as well. Cool. Nice. Okay. Um, and then you went on and you started a travel company. So one thing I'm curious about your travel business is it's a, it's a quite a unique approach to travel, right? I've, I've heard about that in, in the past, but I've never, I've never experienced it and I've never I haven't heard much about it, to be honest. I've heard about surprise, surprise tri uh, trips. But just for me to better understand a little bit, who's, who's a typical customer there? Is that something that somebody will buy as a gift for somebody else? Or is it, I just want to travel somewhere, but I don't, I love surprises, so I just want to be surprised? Or who's usually the customer? Well, that's uh, taking me back to good memories. Um, we made this for people who are privileged. So you have been everywhere. You can spend money on trips you like mm -hmm. to explore, yet you always go to the same places because you don't know where else to look. Uh -huh. So you follow what's the hottest on Instagram, wherever your friends go, um, and you go to the same spots, take the same photos, eat the same things, buy the same souvenirs. It's a rinse and repeat. So in Singapore, if I know my colleagues go to Japan, they are going to come back with these three snacks, right? They are going to go to these places. But they want to explore beyond just Tokyo, beyond just Kyoto, and but how, where, what? And, you know, the beauty of travel is how spontaneous it is, the meaningful connections, the people you meet instead of just following a package tour. Mm -hmm. um, so this is what or who we created Anywhere For, um, for people to explore beyond um, their comfort zone, yet still get the same um, amazing travel experiences. Mm -hmm. And that was 
running successfully for several years, right? It's really interesting. It's it sounds like I'll be very honest. It sounds like if somebody would pitch that idea to me five years ago, I'd say, I don't know. If you really know how to market it, if you really know how to sell it, maybe it's a good idea. But otherwise, that just obviously my feedbacks. Not not my not even not my feedback. Yeah. Just my that would be my first impression, right? So uh, which makes it so much sure. more impressive that you actually made it work, um, because. Well, probably I'm just not the target audience. That's that's definitely one of the reasons. Even though I've traveled a lot, no, for so sure. um, I, I, but I I love planning my own travels, and I've been to sixty plus countries by now. So I have traveled quite quite extensively in my life. Um, obviously, also places that are less less known because that's what uh, what I'm also curious about. Um, but I always like to plan my trips, and I like to know where I'm going and what I'm going to do. And you know, I'm a scuba diver as well, so I, I tend to choose places where you can scuba, scuba dive. And I love volcanoes, so I choose places where there are volcanoes and <laughs> weird okay. weird things like yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. So what we do actually is you tell us all these things, and then we make it work for you. Ah, uh -huh, I see. Um, mm -hmm. That's it. So you say volcanoes. You know, you take a personality test. We work with Oxford University um, on this. So it's pretty legit. <laughs> it started off random, right? Like a Google form, and we were like, "Holy shit, people! People want this! Like they're paying us money." So then we became more, more legitimate, you know, product led, asking users questions. We do um, not just completely. I throw you where's the cheapest or random place. So it's all a lot of science or technology and human behavior. So we did it for families with young kids, uh -huh. so that you know parents work. Um, senior executive level jobs they say hey we only go to these two places for holidays my kids need to see something else so we did uh -huh. like an amazing safari in sri lanka where they did um tea plantation hikes and it's all luxurious and amazing but they say hey this changed our life uh -huh. you know my kid didn't know anything besides the bubble in singapore the skyscrapers yeah, yeah, yeah. but oh my gosh you know sri lanka is three hours away so these are what um we do or when couples say, hey, um, it's a honeymoon, we want to go somewhere that fits our dining preferences. I want to dress nicely. It must be cold. Um, then we make that happen. And it was beautiful because they opened the envelope with the destination during their wedding dinner in front of all their oh, guests. Wow. <laughs> no, so that was uh, perfect. So it's not just you know random. Uh, there's a lot of work behind it, which mm -hmm. makes it more impactful for us. I see. But that's it. <laughs> nice. You said something very interesting there. So you said that it actually started as a Google form. So can you talk a little bit more about what was your MVP? Because uh, that, that, that's usually by the book. You would say, okay, lean startup, just, you know, put a Google form somewhere online and see if people are interested. That sometimes yeah. works, sometimes it doesn't. I feel like MVPs today are also significantly different than MVPs 10 years ago, where you could be much more scrappy. Today, I think you need to be much more elegant with how you execute yeah. it. <laughs> Yeah. No, so it was just a website. We were planning, you know, basic stuff like what's the budget. So we had three um, segments. You want a budget trip, so backpacking style. You want a regular, you want a luxurious trip. And then choose your region, like, you know, Southeast Asia, Europe, um, which part of Europe, where you want to, where you have been to and where you don't want to go. So what are your big notes? A mm -hmm. um, couple of things like that, right? You want a beach getaway, you want a little like countryside, you want to do hiking, you want an adventure. So a few themes. Um, and we just improvised along the way. Nice. Okay. 
cool. And then so I imagine you, you tested the MVP, you got some first traction and then you raised some funding for that business and then it went on for a couple of years. And, um, and then that brings us to PraisePal, um, where, so that's been going on for about two years now, right? Yeah. About two years. And you have grown to serve over 10,000 teams now. Can you talk a little bit more about how, how do you do that? Some people struggle to get, you know, 10 teams on board. Yeah, I mean, it always sounds nice with the CEO pitch, right? But in the back end, we know everything's on fire, uh, no matter your company size. Exactly. That's, so that's always the case. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's my disclaimer. Uh, no, we're extremely fortunate. So I think because like what we were talking about, we are solving a real problem that I'm a huge fan of. So I hate downloading new apps. Like I said, you know, I forget all my logins. My co-founder will always be innovative and experimental with SaaS tools. I'm highly against it. Like, hey, fill up this performance review to download. I, I don't do anything. I have one debit card and that's my life, right? So um, with PraisePowerY, I love it as a user. It's, it's built into my Slack or now we are built in Teams, we are built in Metamos, everywhere else. It's a habit, it's engagement, and it's something I want to do as a regular user, not what my boss forces me to do. Mm -hmm. So that is extremely important. Um, otherwise, every day I get emails with other SaaS tools. Hey, fill up your OKRs. Hey, your KPI. You know, I just, I don't use any of them. Um, so what we do is user-driven. And how we have been growing, fortunately, it's a lot through word of mouth as well. So for example, um, I run this company, I'm using it. I speak with my friend who's facing the problem. I tell mm -hmm. them about it. So that's one way we grow. Um, you know, people, when they receive such nice messages, they screenshot and share on Instagram. Like, oh, I'm so touched. My boss uh, said this to nice. me. Yeah. We get a free marketing. We have employees who, whose companies use PraySpell and then they leave to join somewhere else. Then they uh -huh. say, hey, you should use yeah. PraySpell. So um, pretty cool. Nice. Is that something that you kind of built into the product in some ways as well? Because that kind of organic growth is, you know, sometimes it can be purely just organic because your product is amazing and people love to share it. Yeah. But sometimes you can also incentivize it, build all sort of growth, growth loops. Is that something that you managed to build into the product as well? Yeah, um, we are slowly experimenting. So there's nothing I can say, hey, this is the only thing, a surefire way to experimenting with a little bit of different stuff. Okay, yeah. I see. And uh, well, when it comes to talk, speaking of habits and <laughs> build, building a habit, uh, obviously, yes. Yeah, so one of your advisors is near near Isle, right? Uh, who is, I think, in tech and in products, he's quite well known because he wrote a book called Hooked, uh, which I believe was a bestseller. Um, and it's you know most of people who work in with products have read that book. Um, so he's, he's an expert in building habits and he's, he's advising to companies how to, how to build products, I suppose, in such a way, in such a way that it, that it becomes a habit in the user's day-to-day -day life. Um, so my first question is, how do you get somebody like Nier on board? Yeah, um, again, we were very fortunate you know, we had the chance to speak with him at an event and, you know, shared with him about what we do. And he asked a couple of questions, our values align. And then he said, hey, you know, I'll be happy to join you guys at Formal Advisor. Okay. And then that's it. Uh, 
So easy. very lucky. <laughs> you make everything sound so easy. <laughs> no, as you know, you know, there's a lot of things, you know, but yeah, that's for therapy. Uh, I just <laughs> happy stuff. Uh, no, but we are really, really lucky because like you said, Nir is famous. I first read his book, like when I was one month into building product, the yellow book hooked. I was skeptical about, hey, this self-help book. I read it. I was like, oh, well, it's clear. It makes sense. Like, uh-huh. <laughs> it just makes sense, right? And when I realized it was him speaking, I couldn't believe it because, you know, I only see the book's cover. I don't really care about the author's name. I was yeah. like, hey, this random guy speaking. Like, okay, cool. Then, oh, it's near. And wow. <laughs> so was doing a bit of fangirling um, <laughs> and then managed to uh, get him on board. So really fortunate that our values align because like not sure, you know, how much um, you know about him and his values. But for example, he don't invest in things he don't believe in. Mm-hmm. For example, gambling, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Or casino say, hey, can you make gambling a habit for me? He says, no. Mm-hmm. Um, when I tell him, you know, we're doing certain growth hacks, he's like, hey, is it illegal? Like, don't worry, it's not. Uh-huh. So he has very strong um, ethics and values, which we align on uh-huh. completely. Um, so I think that's the main thing. And he sees what we do as something that's benefiting people. Uh-huh. Right. We are not just selling another product to the CEO and retiring. So it makes recognition a habit and recognition is positive. And that's everything he stands for and what we believe in. And I think that's how we managed to invite him on board uh-huh. as well. I see. That's a very good point because I can imagine that, you know, writing the kind of book that he wrote, right? How to make how to make products more addictive in a sense, obviously it can be abused, right? So I can imagine that he's, yeah. uh, if he has strong morals, that he's really trying to work against that or like at least not support those kind of businesses as much, right? Exactly. Yeah, so super lucky. And I think he sees the value in what we do, that we actually build habits, right? So the hook model mm. is like the hook canvas, you know, the action, the trigger. So that's it. And he's working with us to refine it because the best things are things you don't think about. Why do you, you know, when you open your phone, you look at Instagram, you open TikTok, you scroll nonstop for hours. Um, it's addictive. Mm-hmm. It's a habit, but you don't realize it. Why are you giving your time to it for free? So how can we make people make recognition habit instead of, hey, it's a long form. I have to fill up. It's a bother. Oh my God. We want to make it like a habit, like checking your email. Hey, I should recognize Matic. He said something uh, good in a meeting. This person gave a good idea. You know, I saw someone helping out over the weekend. Just send them a recognition Mm -hmm, so that's mm -hmm. what we want to make things that feels like second nature Mm -hmm. so actually it's it's a good point so for those who are not familiar with the hooked method and the the approach can you give a just a quick overview how how it works what is the 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 basics of the habit forming product how does it work so near needs to pay me now um (laughs) so it's really simple um you need and a trigger right so you need something to trigger you for example i'm bored that's a trigger Mm -hmm. then you need to take action um and the action needs to be um really low barrier so again for example if my triggers you helped me out on a project then i'm triggered to give gratitude but if the action to recognize you is hard work i'm in singapore i need to go buy you a voucher in london i need to send a voucher what does matter is he vegan does he like coffee then I'm not going to do it because the barrier to action is high. Mm-hmm. Like, forget about it. He just helped me on a small thing. But we make the action super easy. You open Slack or Teams and just type a message. That's it. Right? It takes one second. So that's action. And then um, you also have the loop where 
you do um, variable rewards. So if I thank you always with the same coffee, then it loses its meaning as well. So variable rewards in a few forms. Um, one is when I give you a recognition, I feel great because I do not feel guilty. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right? um, and then it makes me happy knowing that everyone in the company can see your good work and your impact. Mm -hmm. So I'm making a difference. Your boss can see it, you know, even though you're introverted, you don't show off, everyone can celebrate you. Um, and that is my reward. And for you, you get points, you feel great as well. Um, and you get to engage in the company. So these are some of the variable rewards we look at. Um, and then it's a loop, right? So once you fill this up, then you go back to next time when you need to thank someone, you know where to go. Mm -hmm. um, so Perfect. that's a loop. So some companies it's common and when we started we stopped at just giving kudos but then there's no reward and it doesn't create a habit mm -hmm. so the points with the little small rewards that cost almost nothing intangible um, variable that's how we built a habit got it okay mm, one thing that also came to my mind is before we started talking about how you you know how you managed to get near on board um i think one thing that, that I realized is if you, I mean, first of all, if you're doing something great, if you're doing something amazing, it definitely, it, it makes it much easier to get other amazing people to help you, right? Because if you're doing something valuable, innovative, interesting, then others also want to be involved with that because it's it's interesting, right? And it's uh, potentially something valuable for them as well. So that's, that's one thing which obviously you are doing. And then the other thing is, I, I'm very surprised about how often, if you just ask somebody for advice, even if you're, they're a very busy person, very famous person, sometimes if you just message them, I'm surprised how often I actually get a response, right? From somebody who 100%. has absolutely no reason to respond to me, but 100%. they do. <laughs> and, you 100%. know, if you reach out a hundred times, uh, I think you're going to get an answer if you if you write your email well or your message well, I think you're gonna get an answer even up to fifty percent of the time. Um, and then with some of them, you might build a really meaningful relationship, right? Maybe they'll become an advisor in your company or or an investor or a yep. co-founder or who knows what. Uh, no, over time. for sure, um, completely agree. And I think this is what I would like to encourage people to do as well. So I was chatting to it with someone because a lot of people don't get it. Like you said, if you need help, people are happy. Like I'm happy to help to give back for free. And sometimes when you give someone a reward, it feels more insulting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. So yeah. like if someone says, Hey Zilea, can I pay two hundred bucks to teach me this? Like, I will say no. But if they say, Hey, I'm desperate, could you teach me for free? Yeah. Sure. yeah. It's funny, right? How uh, people work. So similarly, you know, when I want to give you a recognition, it's nothing I have to gain. Yeah. Um, but I want to thank you and that's it. Like I don't get anything. So no, you're completely right. And in fact it's, you know, standing on the shoulders of giants. That's how we grew from nothing. Um, no rich family, no huge VC backing, but that's how we learn. Like today at um, 9 p.m. Singapore time, you know, someone, a chief product officer at a huge tech company um, just called me and told me some stuff. And uh -huh. I was like, wow, that changed my life. You know, I'm writing notes, met someone for lunch. She's like, how can I help? Yeah. And we just tell you stuff. Um, our customers, so like FinTech um, company founders, they messaged me on LinkedIn, how's it going? We are paying you a lot of money, what's up? And I just tell them my struggles and challenges and they just give like, here you go, three advice helped us a lot. It, that's beautiful, right? He's like, okay, I want to invest in you. But anyway, 
um, even if you don't want to take my money, this is how yeah. you should grow. Um, when I emailed someone uh, today saying, hey, I don't know how to do, you know, um, let's say sales in a certain region, how do I do processes? He spoke with his head of sales, copied me. Hey, I spoke with this guy. He's happy to help you. Yeah. But that's beautiful, right? And I think that's the magic of startup, of tech, of community, of the new age people like us who just say stuff instead of, I don't know, keeping it somewhere. Um, yeah. Yeah, it is. I think there's generally a lot of openness and a lot of uh, sharing within the startup ecosystem. And yeah, people are surprisingly ready to help if if they see that you are actually doing stuff. I think that is that is usually one of the preconditions, right? If you are actually, if you're not just asking for advice, but you're not actually doing anything, um, yeah, then no. probably the, the, the other person feels like they might be really wasting their time. But if you are, you know, actively engaged in, you know, starting something or really building your business, um, and if you follow, if, if they can see that you follow advice as well, I think that really helps in getting more advice Definitely. from them afterwards. I think, in fact, um, earlier we were talking about Tim, so of the directors at uh, Startup Grand London. Yeah. I just dropped him a WhatsApp message, say, hey, can you criticize my homepage? And he came with a really thorough, like, feedback. I was like, I don't, I really appreciate this. I did not expect this. And, you know, in point form, he highlighted everything. I made a change right away, sending him a screenshot. Thank you so much. <laughs> exactly, that's it. exactly, right? that's not, it. Yeah, he didn't say like, hey, you need to pay me, Yeah. whatever. <laughs> and of course, I got to work and that was beautiful. Yeah, exactly. I think that's really important when you're building that kind of relationship, just showing that, hey, thank you for your work, thank you for your advice, and we've already implemented it, and, you know, here's what happened. Um, that definitely helps making sure that they'll help you in the future as well. Nice. Yeah, Tim is amazing. I, I love I love Tim. He's an incredibly smart guy. I, I need to bring him on the podcast as well at some point. Um, so, yes. Um, yeah, so another thing I wanted to talk to you a little bit more about is so just your growth in general, right? You've, you've reached quite a lot of people in relatively short period of time. You said a lot of that growth is word of mouth. What about besides that? So do you have any, are you using any other channels? Are you advertising or how, how are you going about that? I think that's, that's one of the things that founders often struggle with, especially more technical founders, but not even just that. I think probably anyone who's starting a product business for the first time, you get stuck into building the product, perfecting the product. And it's like, oh my God, we're going to make something amazing. But it's often the distribution that, where it becomes really, really challenging. So I'm just wondering yeah. more how, you know, how you're approaching that. So uh, exactly what we talked about earlier, just messaging people and learning from them and actually taking action. So you do not just listen to someone and go, yeah, 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 cool. And then nothing, right? So whatever people say, just taking notes, cross-checking, thinking instead of just blindly following um, and then testing out. So for example, our positioning, you know, even our brand name, what should we call ourselves? Should we, you know, say we are global? Should we focus in Europe? Should we focus in Southeast Asia? Because teams are remote, mm -hmm. right? You could have a HQ in London, yet you have um, engineers worldwide. Mm -hmm. or your sales team um, in China or whatever, or you could be based in Singapore, yet your team is in Silicon Valley, which happens a lot. Uh, so a lot on positioning and we are still iterating and figuring it out, to be honest. Um, so I don't have a hard and fast. Otherwise, um, you know, we probably would have an IPO. But yeah, still figuring out along the way, to be honest. Okay, I see. So remote, you mentioned remote work and, you know, you guys are all remote and your, you know, your product is primarily focused on remote teams. Uh, 
What are your thoughts about remote right now and your maybe any sort of advice for companies who are working remotely? I think we've all over the last two years, you know, we've learned how to work remote. Anyone who works in tech or anyone who does any sort of job that can be done remotely, right? We've learned how to do that. Um, but now, just I think it was last week or two weeks ago, some of the companies started announcing the back to uh, back to office policies, right? Some of the big, I think, was it Google? Was it Google in the US or yeah. Facebook or some, some pretty yeah. big names? Or Facebook board, so I was yeah. wondering, I, I imagine that you're a supporter of remote, but yeah, what are your thoughts around it? So to be honest, I'm extremely conflicted because <laughs> as much as I love being remote, you know, I work from anywhere. I work from the beach in Thailand, worked in a Covent Garden in a London, everywhere my team gets to see the world. And if I'm stressed, I'd rather be stressed by a beach in Bali than, you know, in my room, right? Point, so yeah. <laughs> it's selfish reasons. Yeah. Since we, why do we work? We work for freedom. Uh, we work to be independent. And when we can enjoy this remotely, yet still do things we love and make an impact, that is extremely privileged and um, awesome. But then again, it's cool to just hang out in the same office and chat, mm -hmm. have a coffee, you know, chat about stuff and that's what I really miss. So when we have team members in the same country, we gather and that's amazing. You, know, you do things a lot faster. <laughs> you just get a lot more FaceTime, you brainstorm the ideas. So the reasons that Google, Facebook gave to go back to office, I agree with, right? So when I go to other offices of our customers, huge like listed companies, I see their employees hanging out, just having a beer and chatting. And wow, I really miss this. You know, mm -hmm. having a team. Um, so I'm extremely conflicted, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but in the meantime, just enjoying how it goes. And everyone knows that we have to make, if we want to make this work, we have to work hard together. Yeah. 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 It's interesting. Um, I feel like it definitely depends from person to person as well, right? Um, for some people, it's really easy, really pleasant. I personally, I would say I'm almost definitely more, uh, definitely more productive working remote because it's mm. it gives me a little bit more um um not freedom but just uh, i get to structure my day a little bit better or you know i get less interruptions and so on and so forth uh but yeah there's definitely value somebody said it really nicely um how did it, uh, i'm paraphrasing here but somebody said when when things are going well we're going to be remote but when shit hits the fan, we're going to be in the office. And when we're going through tough times, we need exactly. to be in the office and we need to sit down together and we need to, you know, get through that, which is partially, I think it makes sense also because when things are not going so well, it's so much more important to make sure that the morale of the team is good. And that's much more difficult when you're all remote because you, you don't really, you can't exactly. really sense so well, so much how, you know, how somebody's feeling. Yeah, exactly. No, so completely agree. That is a good point. Um, I think that that can work for some businesses. If you know, a lot of companies now, for example, in London, right? Everyone's still in London. They're just working from their home instead of from the office, right? If you're completely remote, like you guys are, and you got some people in Singapore, some people in New York, some people in London, then you can't just uh, meet in the office this Friday because uh, there's a massive bug on, on the platform or something, right? That exactly. makes that more challenging. Well, yeah, we don't know what works, um, but Let's see, because, you know, like you said, when things uh, go bad, then we have to figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. But there's also a bit of the loneliness if you're working alone um, at home or you know, somewhere else. 
even if you have friends or family, they might not understand. Mm. So you might just be figuring it out alone. So that's a bit of the stuff we have to do. So a little like plug for praise bow is that's when the recognition helps because companies, employees can celebrate each other and you don't feel so lonely. Mm-hmm. Um, like I'm just working alone on my thing, right? So, but we are still trying to see how it goes. So. Mm. Yeah, I think it, it seems like those were the two, from what I've seen from talking to people and talking to friends, those were probably the two biggest problems that the founders and managers were facing. One was the loneliness and just mental health of the employees. And the other one was performance, right? If somebody was actually not very motivated to put in the work, if they're not very engaged yeah. in their work, then probably they didn't, well, it, it's easier to not do the work if you're at home. In the office, it's like, well, you're there, you're, you might as well just do the work. Uh, but at home, I can imagine that for many people, there are more distractions or you just like, you know, not um, not doing that much. Um, yeah, well, hopefully your product also partially helps in that. Yeah, definitely. Nice. Um, you know, what was another thing that I wanted to talk to you about? I noticed when, when I was checking your LinkedIn, I was checking your, your business and I saw your business partner is... Um, a no-code ambassador or no-code fan or how you should say about that. That's that's one of the things that he stands for and that he's involved with. Is that something that you've used for your business as well, no-code approach to building something? Um, yeah, so we use a couple of different things. So everyone's trying out you know, different stuff. Even our customers who build uh, fintech products, they will say, hey, I'm using no-code to build a landing page. So mm-hmm. the CTO is just hacking it out, um, takes half an hour. So yeah, it depends on what. So we use, you know, tools like Airtable, it's no code, right? Mm-hmm. Or um, to a certain extent, even Canva, it's in a way the no code of a Photoshop. So yeah, we just use stuff like that, um, that actually surprises many people because they all think that, hey, it's only Excel, but Airtable makes things so much easier, mm-hmm. right? So when you do listicles, you do listings of your rewards. Um, yeah, it makes things a lot faster and it syncs with code. So it's not no code, but low code to low a certain code, extent yeah. um, where we can sync air table databases we sync certain things to like apis yeah, yeah so we do explore um, a couple of these tools nice it's it's pretty interesting yeah because i feel like in tech there's currently a little bit of there are two sides right there are people who are like huge proponents of no code and they're saying that's the future we're going to be building products without coding coding is archaic nobody should learn how to write code that's like way too difficult you should just be able to drag and drop things together that's wow. that's one extreme and then on the other side you have the other extreme where it's like no you can never click things together that's never going to be good enough it's it's not flexible enough i i would definitely say that the reality is somewhere in between <laughs> i think yeah, exactly. there, there's a lot of there are definitely a lot of things that you can just click together right or use tools as you were saying Airtable, zapier is a pretty popular one as well yeah. I've never yeah. ever actually used, um, there are some that are actually specialized for building SaaS tools, right? It's like Bubble, I think there's one, is it Bubble yeah, a couple or out there, I think Bubble is the big one and that's, yeah, and it, actually it's larger in, um, it started off in San Francisco, I think as everything, um, like I heard about Airtable when I was living in Silicon Valley, uh, yeah, a couple of these tools, um, yeah. Yeah. Or Webflow, people use that to build websites. Uh, yeah, and it's getting quite popular. So everyone's looking for like Webflow developers. 
which yep. in a way is its own industry, right? I'm like, hey, that I thought a... it's no code, but turns out you need, uh, yeah. I mean, it's it's a little bit like yeah, really exciting. It's a little bit like Photoshop or something, right? You don't really need to know how to yeah. code. You don't you don't need a specific skill, but you still need to know how to use Photoshop and you need to have that sense yeah. for design and UX or Photoshop yeah. is a bad example, but yeah. And then it's all your templates and yeah, I tried it. <laughs> okay, this is not for me. Uh, maybe next time, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's an, I, I've tried Webflow a little bit, um, but it definitely, it it's, there's a, there's definitely, a, you know, a, it's not super easy. Let's just put it that way. It takes a little bit of time. I think you, you probably need to watch a few tutorials or just spend a extended period of time really trying to use it because it's, it is a powerful tool, but with that comes also a certain level of complexity uh, that you yeah. need to figure out. So yeah, it's not like you'll just sit down and build a SaaS business exactly. in one afternoon. Um, um, yeah. Or like, um, you know, years ago it was um wordpress that's yep. the thing so it's the same right it's just elevated or shopify it's technically no code anyone can start an e-commerce store no code stripe yeah. is doing it that's it's all in a way no code or however we want to group it so now it's just a buzzword it's how we use tech i mean stripe is a tech company you know um shopify is a tech company it's um, yeah that's it true true yeah i think it, it definitely seems like it makes things much easier for uh, somebody who's just trying to start something, right? You, you can certainly build an MVP on top of some existing infrastructure mm -hmm. in a fairly easy way. And even if you don't do it on your own, it's still probably cheaper to get a like a, a freelancer or somebody who will put together a a no code so, a, a no code solution in comparison to actually getting a developer, a programmer who will be programming it. Sure. Typically, takes longer. Um, it's typically sure. more expensive. Um, there's also tools like Figma that designers use now. Yeah. Um, it's just a couple of um, modern tools that were upgrades from previous tools. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I suppose so, yeah. Um, interesting. Okay. Um, Zilia, let me see what else did I want to talk to you about. Um, one thing that I find interesting, and I may want to talk a little bit more about that on this podcast, is the kind of how you grow as a founder, how you grow as a person when you're starting a business, when you're, you know, I feel like for me personally, I feel like that's been one of the the best and the biggest just learning lessons in my life. Cause you need to, I feel like not a lot of people put it like that, but it is a competition in a way, right? Whenever it, as a founder, you, you're starting something new, you're competing against, against others, even if you're in a, what you'd call a blue ocean market, the reality is you're always competing against something, even if it's not another business, there's Definitely. always some something that people are doing or spending money on instead of sure. your business. Um, so there's definitely a, a, a little bit of, of competition. There's always these new skills that you need to learn, but it's not just skills. It goes beyond that. It's also, you kind of grow as a person, right? Maybe you, I don't know, you need to become more assertive or you need to learn how to be more charismatic and you need to learn how to lead people. And I'm curious if you're willing to talk a little bit about how was that journey for you? How did you grow as a founder, you know, throughout this past uh, five, six years or so? Yeah, so it's been a wild ride. Little breakdowns once in a while, maybe twice a month, but <laughs> that's how it works, right? So cliche quote in my university, 
when the brain is expanded, it can never go back to the size it was. And I think that's how it is, right? Just learning, growing, and extremely privileged. Like what you talked about earlier, just being a sponge to absorb everything. Mm. Because, you know, I'm, let's say, barely 30 years old. I get investors who are directors in Google. I get a chance to work with Oxford University, work with TikTok, like super cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though I'm not making much salary, but that's awesome opportunity, right? It's just learning, seeing what there is, you know, the world out there, learning from different people. And it has been amazing. Um, then again, you have the growth side where things don't um, happen according to plan. Then you have your ego, you have your everything else. Like, hey, why is my friend having such a nice life? Um, proper salary. And here I am. So a lot of things to battle and self growth, um, communication, everything surfaces out. Um, for example, or especially when we are remote, we need to learn how to communicate. Mm, yeah. Right. So do not wait till you are unhappy about something or shit hits the fan, then you lash out. So we have a lot of hard conversations, but that helps all relationships, friendships, marriages, employees, um, co-founders. So it's just pushing yourself to do that. Mm-hmm. Cool. Cool. Um, okay. I have one final question for you. Um, and this is something that I, I, I often ask towards the end of the episode because a lot of people find it very interesting, which is, do you, it, where do you see opportunities right now in, in business for, you know, it can be in your space or outside of it, but for anyone who's a, there's a lot of aspiring entrepreneurs who are listening to the podcast and they're thinking about, wow, what should I start? What should I, you know, um, which things should I look into? What are some interesting ideas? What do you think? Are there any, do you have any recommendations or, you know, if you had some spare time or if you were starting a new business right now, what do you think? What are some interesting ideas? Yeah, that happens all the time. (laughs) So I would say it depends on your intentions and your motives. If you do it just to make money or to have your name like on the TV or whatever, then it's different, right? So everyone's about crypto or whatever. What are your intentions? Um, and for me, all along the products that I've built aligns with my values, who my personality, what I want, and I truly believe in it. It sounds super lame that I love a software. I'm a hardcore fan, but that's what motivates me. Um, for example, I use a couple other fintech tools, fully paying customers, but I'm highly supportive, right? So I am on all their marketing campaigns for free. I pitch it all the time to anyone that's a target market mm-hmm. because I'm an advocate. So back to what we are saying that you don't have to pay me if I love it. I would shout out, I'll give you a recognition. Yeah. Um, I'll recommend you. And this is the same with uh, Praisebell because I truly believe in it, which is what keeps me motivated to grow it and plan the growth direction. So that's for me, but other people start companies differently. Some folks just say, hey, I want to build an app. Instead of finding a problem to solve, you find that you want to build an app. But I'm not sure that's the right way. Mm. Um, The mechanic or the tool versus actually finding a problem that could be solved in a different way Mm -hmm. or could, what what we said, build an MVP first. Um, There's a startup that sold for a lot of money to target. But before that, the founder said he felt before and he said with this product now, my engineers are not allowed to write any line of code until we have 100 customers on the list. Mm-hmm. So that's 
how he scaled instead of saying, hey, this company failed, now I'm, I'm going to build a new app. Mm -hmm. So I took a lot of inspiration from that as well to grow and make sure what we are building truly serves people. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. All right. All right. Well, thank you very much again for all your insights, for coming on the, on the podcast. Uh, good luck, obviously, with growing your business. Uh, we'll, we'll stay in touch. You'll let me know how it goes. And we'll chat soon. For sure. Thank you so much, Matic, for having me. Absolutely. See you soon. <laughs> All right. Take care.